0: on so you can hear me. My wife says I'm good and loud up close. So if you can't hear me back there in the back, i got plenty of seats down here. (laughs) But um, I will will try to be, uh, she assured me that if I looked at her, she will let me know if I'm loud enough or not. So if you see her pulling on her ears, it isn't because something is wrong with her ear, it's, it's because she can't, she can't hear me. And if she can't hear me, then you can't hear me. And so I'm trying to pay attention to her. Um, she is the a, a sweetest lady I know. She's been married to me for 52 years. She had to be sweet to be married to me for 52 years. We've been in ministry over 50 years. Now, part of that ministry, Sid and Brenda Williams know about, as they were at Hephzibah when I was on staff there with Pastor Bill Sanderson, and um, I trust them not to hold against me uh, anything that was negative then, but... Um, I knew Sid uh, then, particularly Sid was the treasurer then, and Miss Brenda was just as involved then. Evidently, it sounds like she's still involved and they're involved here uh, tremendously, and they were tremendous uh, encouragers there as well. It's a joy to be with you this morning, Uh, glad to be here with you. Uh, I, I understand what Brother Whitney meant when he said, on the other end of the spectrum, from the guys you've had in the last uh, four weeks. There's quite a wide spectrum there age-wise, probably wisdom-wise as well, knowledge-wise, but I hope I do bring a little bit to the table from the standpoint of years of experience. And I do um, uh, believe that... uh, God has led us where we are in ministry and our time together and years together. Uh, I do not want to stop. Uh, My desire is not to stop uh, preaching and teaching God's word and uh, uh, witnessing and sharing Christ with folks uh, because we are still living in a world that is lost and dying and uh, people are, are Dying and going to hell every day. I work part time at Pool Funeral Service too, by the way, and so I'm privy to seeing uh, many funerals and and uh, being a part of many funerals that uh, that we have and and uh, that take place. And uh, I know that uh, there are a lot of people that are dying without Christ today. Um, I do funerals for those families that don't have uh, pastor or churches, and uh, some that do that are on the outside, or some that do that uh, their pastor is away. But uh, many of them are lost. They say they believe. They say that they are believers, but they've never darkened the church door, or they haven't darkened the church door in years now. Let me preface that statement with this. Uh, Just because you go to church doesn't mean you're, you're saved, doesn't mean you're a Christian. And just because you don't go to church doesn't mean that you're not saved or that you're not a Christian. However, not going to church as a Christian does mean that there is something dreadfully wrong in your life. You ought to be finding a church, looking a church, attending a church or churches to find where you fit, find where the Lord would have you to fit and to be a part of. So I believe in the church, and I believe that uh, what we are doing here this morning is most important. Thank you for being here, and thank you for the opportunity to be here myself. Now, um, in today and next Sunday, we know why we're here, so we can, we can just relax, and, and we know that, that uh, everything is in the Lord's hands, right? You've got to let the Lord have his will in way in your heart and mind. I've got to let the Lord have his will and way in our hearts and minds, so we can enjoy the worship, we can attune our hearts and minds to the Word of God and to the Lord Jesus and worshiping and exalting Him today. If you would take your Bible and turn with me to Mark chapter 4. You may have a cell phone that you want to uh, have a Bible on. You may turn there. Feel free to do so. Mark chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 35 through 41, I'm going to be sharing with you today on how to navigate life's storms. You know, it's been said that into every life a little rain must fall. You may have said that cliche at some time or other. I have, but that is most true. Into every life some rain does fall. Simply meaning that there are storms in every life. If you're not going through a storm right now, it doesn't matter what that storm is. It could be financial, could be be, uh, uh, relational. Uh, It doesn't matter what that storm is. You are going to go through a storm at some point in some time in your life. Right now, Corinth Baptist Church is going through a storm. You're going through a storm because your longtime pastor has left. 20 years. That is unthinkable in today's world. It really is. Pastor Bill Sanderson, 33 plus years at Hephzibah. That is most unthinkable. I know a couple of other pastors uh, at Pierce Baptist Church and Hopkins Chapel Baptist Church who've been there over 20 years. It's most unthinkable in today's culture. But it's not impossible. But what do you do after such a, a long time? Brother Sid and I had the opportunity. What a, what a, listen, what a blessing, this couple. I'm I really... I am so delighted they are here with you. Their are, they are joy As I was thinking about that, I told him, I said, man, I've been thinking about you and Miss Brenda for a while and wondering where in the world you got to. And boy, the Lord brought us back together. Thank the Lord for that. But Brother Sid and I were talking about, Sid has only known two pastors, Pastor Bill at Hephzibah for such a long time, and Pastor Will. Now, I think that's pretty interesting, Pastor Bill and Pastor Will. You can't get better than that. Pastor Don, I don't know where that fits in. But it's unusual in today's culture for that length of time. You're going through a storm. What do we do? Where do we go? How do we navigate This storm. Well, I want to share with you three principles today on how to navigate the storms of life. Not just in the interim process in finding a new pastor, but the process of your life and the storms of your life, a loved one with cancer. Sickness, disease, addictions, the difficulties within our world politically, economically, physically, and so many others. There are storms that we are going to go through, and every life faces many storms in each one of them. How do we navigate them? What happens? Why? Well, that isn't necessarily the question of what we should be asking why. But really, Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? And how can I learn to get through it with you? So in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41... The Lord is teaching in parables here, and he is dealing with and has been dealing with the people in Judea and Jerusalem and the area, and he's been teaching in parables. He's been preaching to them and teaching to them, and now he is getting ready to cross over and teach his disciples. In honor of God's word, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? if you are able to. Beginning verse 35, on the same day when evening had come, he said to his disciples, said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, if you got a pen or a pencil or a Highlighter or some way you you might want to underline that first line that Jesus said. Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was all. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said to one another, Who can this be, that even the wind and the sea obey him? May God bless the reading. To his word. May we pray together. Father. We are grateful. That your word gives us. Your teaching. Your words. Your your love. To us. God today. Open our eyes. That we may see. Our ears that we may hear. Our hearts that we may understand. And receive. Your message for us individually as believers and corporately as a church body. And Lord, as individuals, if there's one here who does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and you may be seated. Years ago, I believe the year was 1991, there were actually two storms that came together and formed a perfect storm. We were told, we were, uh, it was made known nationally and worldwide that it was a, the perfect storm. If there ever was a perfect storm, two storms coming together from two different uh, directions and coming together and combining to make one became a perfect storm. The Andrea Gale, a 72-foot fishing trawler, manned by six men, leaving out from Gloucester, Massachusetts on the way up to the North Atlantic. Not finding fish enough, they left for the northern tip of Newfoundland, off the Fleming Cap, to find fish. And they found fish. The problem was not with the fishing. The problem wasn't with the sea where they were, the problem was getting back home, because the perfect storm had formed. We are told that the estimation of the wave that overtook the Andrea Gale and many others, there were 13 other fishing uh, boats, I believe, that were out on the ocean at that time that also were caught in that perfect storm. The waves were from 75 to 100 feet high. The ocean is not prejudice in its anger and what it entails when storms arise. And that storm arose, and it became detrimental to the men of the Andrea Gale and many others as well. In this message today, just like in the Andrea Gale, there are principles we need to learn. That whenever the storm comes in our life, whatever the storm is, whatever the situation arises, however we perceive it, There are three principles we need to keep in mind as a child of God. The first principle we need to keep in mind is that when we are in the storm, do not forget, remember, trust in the promises of Jesus. Look at verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. What does that sound like to you? Does that sound like a question? Let us cross over to the other side? That is a question. Are we going to cross over to the other side? That's a question. Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. That is a promise. Jesus had just finished talking and teaching with a great number of people in several different locations, and he taught them in parables. Jesus was not in the manner of teaching that which wasn't true. Verse 33 says, With many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable he did not speak to them. And when they were alone he explained all things to his disciples. So Jesus said to them, It's evening time. Let's go to the other side. That is a promise. Let us go over. Let us cross over to the other side. Jesus' commandments always are enablements. They are enablements to let us know it's so. It's going to happen. When Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again. Did that mean that he... Might come again? Did that mean that there was a question about him returning? Did that mean that we haven't seen it yet so that doesn't make any difference? We're not going to see it. No, Jesus said, if I go, I'm going to come again. He promised it. When he said, let us cross over to the other side, he meant we're going to the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, whenever the storms of life come in your life, no matter what they are, you can depend on the one who gives us the promise that you can count on, and Jesus Christ is the one that you can count on. Remember, in the storms of life, the promises of Jesus. Jesus said, I am with you always. When he gave the Great Commission go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't differentiate, don't go here, don't go there, don't go. Go to all the nations, all people, everywhere, and make disciples of them. I'm glad that Corinth is in an area that is exploding. I mean, it's exploding. Don't don't you see that? It's exploding. People are moving in. People are coming here. Why are they coming here? North Carolina is is one of the top ten in the nation places to live. People want to come to North Carolina to live. People want to come to Raleigh the surrounding areas, Johnson County, Wake County, Nash County, to live. All kinds of people, people that are lost and going to hell if they don't know Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, go and make disciples. He never Never considered for one moment that we would not do what he said do. And his promises are the same. And he gives us a promise even in the Great Commission. And lo, I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. When you are going through the storms of your life. Remember. Trust the promises of the Lord Jesus. The second principle is to take solace in the presence of Jesus. Not only to trust in the promises of Jesus, but take solace, take comfort in the fact that Jesus Christ is with you. Whenever a person places Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They place their trust in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, if we believe, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed, that word believe means to trust. It means to trust. Just like you are sitting down on that pew, you've trusted that pew to hold you up. And that's the same trust we put in the Lord Jesus Christ. We place our faith in him, our trust in him, to receive him as our Lord and Savior, to forgive us of our sins, wash all of our sins away, and we place our trust in him to live for him every day, and he expects us to live for him every day, and one day to come and get us, whether that's through death or whether it's through his return. Jesus Christ is coming back. That is a promise I'm banking on. And I trust you're banking on it if you're a Christian. Trust his promise and trust and take solace comfort in his presence. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to take up residence within us. Now, you can understand that in so many different ways. You can understand it, that the divine is in us. There is a part of me that is divine. My wife will not agree with that necessarily. Sometimes. But the Holy Spirit of God dwells in us. He lives in us. He takes up residence in us. So guess what? He is present in me. He's present in you. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He is present with us. He's present in us all the time, day and night. So no matter where we are, what's going on in our lives, we can trust and take solace and comfort in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. There was a difference, you see, in the people and the disciples. Look at verse 36 through 38. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him, Jesus, along in the boat as he was. Jesus was tired. Jesus was weary. He had been teaching. He had been preaching. He had worked with the people. And listen, folks, preaching, standing up here, for this length of time, and, and however length of time it is, and exerting energy, uh, I, even on uh, new things, ministries. When I'm when I'm sitting there preaching, it is, and I stand up. I realize there's energy that has been given out if I'm preaching at all and teaching at all with any kind of emotion and and uh, physical strength and energy. There it has left, and so it leaves me a little weary. But, but I take solace in the fact that not only is the presence of Jesus with me, but I can also go get a drink of water or orange juice or something that will give and build back up my energy. A great windstorm came up and arose. Jesus got in the boat and he went to sleep. But he was in the boat with the disciples. So what does that mean? Jesus was present. With the disciples. Who is Jesus? God's Son. He's the Son of God. He is God too or also. Go back to Genesis. In the beginning, God what? Created. He created them. Who was creating? If you do a study of that, you find Jesus was the one doing the creating. Okay, you follow with me? Jesus was in the boat with his disciples. They were crossing the ocean, they were crossing the sea there. And a storm came up. Wind was blowing, waves were rolling rain falling, water was coming into the boat. The Bible says it was filling in this passage, these verses. But he was in the stern asleep, and they awoke him and said, Teacher, don't you care? We're perishing. We're dying. What's the first thought you're going to think of when a windstorm comes up? And the waves are rolling and, and the, the, the rain is falling and water's coming into the boat. What are you going to think about? You're going to think about, wow, we man, I can't swim to shore. I can't even seashore. Say that three times fast. Seashore. See. Look, Jesus was in the boat. Who was Jesus? He was the one who created the wind. He was the one who created the storm. He was the one who created the waves. He was the one of creation, the master of creation. And the disciples were so scared. They were so afraid. They were going to die. Jesus was with them. Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? We can take comfort in the presence of Jesus with us in the storm. Why? Because the Bible tells us that when we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, dwell in us, take up residence in us. That's the way it is in life. When we hear of the big C. None of us want to hear. You've got cancer. None of us want to hear. You've got heart disease. None of us want to hear. You're going to die. There's nothing else we can do. Lord, don't you care I'm perishing, I'm dying here. Take comfort in that he is present with us. You see, when they woke Jesus up, Jesus saw something they didn't see. Jesus knew something they didn't know. That's the way it is in the storm. The boat was filling with water. The disciples were filled with fear and worry. Jesus was asleep in the boat. But friend, there's no need to fear when Jesus is near. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No need to fear when Jesus is near. Safety is not in the absence of the storm. Safety is not in the absence of problems. Safety is not in the absence of difficulty. Safety is in the presence of Jesus. It's in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus is in you and me. He's in us. Take comfort In the presence of Jesus, trust in his promises when the storms of life come. There's a song, and I'm made glad by it because it so speaks to this testimony of this situation. Master, the tempest is raging. The billows are tossing high. The sky is o'ershadowed with blackness. No shelter or help is nigh. Carest thou not that we perish? How can you lie asleep? When each moment so madly is threatening A grave in the angry deep. The wind and the wave shall obey my will. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. Whether the wrath of the storm-tossed sea, or demons or men or whatever it be, no water can swallow the ship where lies, the master of ocean and earth and skies. They all shall sweetly obey my will. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. They all shall sweetly obey my will. Peace, peace, be still. They awoke Jesus up. They were, they were frightened. They were scared to death. We are dying. We're pushing. They woke him up. And Jesus stood up. And he said, peace. Be still. Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves. The rain everything ceased, stopped. So much so that it even scared the disciples even more. Who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. <laughs> we can turn on the power of Jesus. Then he arose, verse 39, and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Be still! And the wind ceased. A great calm fell over all of it. Jesus said, Why are you so scared? How is it you have no faith? (laughs) And they, they, they were even more scared, it says, verse 40, 41. They feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? No water can swallow the ship where lies the master, the master of ocean and earth and sky. Jesus is still on his throne, my friend. Jesus is still in charge. Turn on the power of Jesus, your faith. Trust Him, and He'll carry you into the storm. He will not necessarily keep us out of the storms. He won't necessarily rescue you from the storm, but He is with you in the storm and through the storm. Paul, the apostle, was going through such a difficult time in his life. He had a thorn in the flesh, as you recall. And he said, three times I prayed that God would remove it. Three times I've asked him to remove it. Three times I've asked him to relieve me of it. And his word came back to me, my grace is sufficient for you in the storm. Here's the real lesson of this message. We can face the storms of life in one of two ways. Every storm that comes up, no matter what it is, of your life individually, personally, and corporately as a believer and as a church. One of two ways you can face life's storm. One is fear. Fear looks at the storm. Fear is always looking at the storm. And it's so natural for us as human beings to look at the storm. Fear looks at the storm, but fear is forgetting every available resource that is open to us. Or faith. Faith looks at the available resources. David and Goliath. Twelve-year-old. The whole army of Israel were scared to death of Goliath. One giant, Goliath, the whole army of Israel was scared. One little boy, twelve years old. Who is this Varmint, who curses Israel's God. Went out to face him with three stones, or, excuse me, five stones, I believe it was. But the first one found its mark. We need the storms of life. We need the storms of life because they force us to trust in God's promises as children of God. We need the storms of life because they they cause us to take comfort in his presence. We need the storms of life because they force us to turn on the power of the Lord God through faith. William L. Douglas was a shoe manufacturer. Early in his life, not many people know how he faced life and how he struggled in life. And the struggles in life, in his early life, had him down to his last $1 bill. W.L. Douglas heard that in a neighboring town they were hiring. And so, Sunday when he went to church... He put 50 cents of that last dollar into the collection plate. Now, hear me. He had one dollar left. One dollar left. And he gave 50 cents. That was his tithe out of what he had in his pocket. Sometimes we don't tithe because we use all the excuses of not tithing. I'm not here to preach on tithing today. But I'm going to tell you that some of the Lord's blessings we miss. We miss. And a couple right here with you, Sid and Brenda Williams, taught me a lot about tithing when we were at Hephzibah. So, You can use all those excuses. William L. Douglas put 50 cents into the offering plate. The next day as he was going to the ticket counter to buy a ticket to go to that city, he found that he didn't have enough. It was a dollar. He only had 50 cents to get to that town. People could have said, you're not smart, man, you should have kept it. Put it in your pocket. You don't know what's coming. You don't know the situation. You could have kept it. You should have kept it. No, he did what he felt the Lord led him to do, and he gave it. So he bought a 50 cent ticket to the town before that town, a halfway. He took that halfway trip, got off the train, started walking towards the other town when he heard there was a company right there in that town that was also hiring. So he went, got a job, making $5 more than what the job was in the other town. The storms of life cause us to trust the promises of the Lord God. The storms of life cause us to rely upon the comforting presence of the Lord God. And the storms of life cause us to rely upon the power of God, not ourselves. You can't do it and I can't do it, but God can and God will a lot more than we think if we'll allow him to. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that we can trust you, we can rely upon you. And Lord, today, we want to turn on your power. We thank you for the comforting presence of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your promises that this book fills up with for us. God, help us today by faith to take you at your word and trust you. You haven't left us. This is still your church. We're still your people. Our pastor has gone to the mission field. You've called him away. God, you've got someone else planned and prepared. Prepare us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to come today. I'll be glad to share with you. Others will be glad to share with you about how you can become a Christian, how you can trust in the Lord God and place your faith in him today. If you are a Christian, maybe you need to recommit your life to Jesus. I'm glad we still have an altar that you can come to and pray. Come and share. However God speaks speak to you or has spoken to you today, you come as God leads.